that our hearts would be pure, Lord. And if there would be any impurity within us, Lord, that you would purify our hearts, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you come today and you minister to each of us in only the way that you can. We look to you, Lord Jesus, for you have the words of life. You have that which we need, Lord, that which will uh, be able to sustain us in the journey that we find ourselves in. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done and what you will do. Today, Lord, we cast our vision upon you, Lord. I pray that we would see Jesus Christ today. Lord, you are the one who is worthy of our praise and worship, for you're the one, Lord, the great high priest that has paid the price for us. And we thank you for that today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been looking at um, Hebrews where quite frequently it talks about Jesus being uh, the high priest, the great high priest, that is higher. The word high means higher. It's in a higher place. Jesus being a high priest has ascended to a higher place than anyone. He is high and lifted up, as Isaiah said when he saw the Lord. And so in our walk with Him, you know, do we view Jesus as being high and lifted up? Of course, Jesus can be viewed many different ways in many different times. But being higher than us should cause us in our heart to want this desire, you know, or to have this desire to want Him more, that we would begin to ascend to a higher place than where we are living at this particular time. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at this, and, and there's so many different things here and so many different ways to approach this. Uh, it talks about faith. And I believe that if we see Jesus, that we will want to move toward Him, and moving toward Him will be by faith. He's in a place that calls to us, to our heart, that wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves spiritually today, He calls to us now, saying, come on, come on a little further, come up a little higher. And the means by, with, by, by which that will take place will be by faith. Now, faith. If I were to ask you what faith is today, I was actually thinking of doing that, but because we don't have the time, I was going to give you a piece of paper and have you write down what is faith. And most everybody would probably write verse 1 down. You know, because that's the common thought 
there. Remember something. Faith is not feeling. There's a big difference between the both. Uh, feeling can be on this natural earthly plane. Um, my, my leg feels funny today. I slept on it wrong. Well, that's, that's feeling. That's one area uh, of the natural. Feeling can be related to the emotional realm, to where we determine uh, many times what we do, where we go, what we say, based upon how we feel about whatever. Someone else, something else, ourselves, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. So there's the emotional area of feeling. But none of that is the same or can compare to what he's talking about here. Feeling is not the basis for faith. See, the Lord Jesus Christ is the basis, is to be the basis of our faith. And our faith is to move toward him and reaching out, which we'll see in a few minutes. Now, in verse... One, we'll read the whole thing. You probably could quote it. Now faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, just reading that, does that tell you a whole lot? Does it really explain to you what faith is? Do you understand what faith is just by reading that verse? Well, I want to show you a word in this verse that I believe will help you to understand a little clearer what it's talking about in so many places where it's talking about faith. Now, it's interesting. I, I saw this last night when I, was, when I was studying. It says, now faith is. The word is there comes from another Greek word that means to exist. And so if you put that meaning in the verse, it says, now faith exists. And many people in this world do not believe that faith exists. See, they believe in unbelief, which is the opposite of faith. But for you and I as a Christian, now faith exists. It's real. And somebody says, well, I don't believe in faith and I don't believe in God because uh, I can't see it. Well, you can't see your unbelief, but you believe in your unbelief. You can't see gravity, but yet you believe in gravity. So faith does exist, but it's not a tangible thing that we can see like I'm looking at my hands here. Faith is something different, something more uh, it will be what will help us to move toward the Lord. Now, in verse 1, I want to read this from two other translations. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Uh, the new... Uh, the new 
Living Translation is this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. I like that because it's a little simpler. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Now, I will give you how I see this, this verse, or how, to me, the Lord showed this to me to help me understand it uh, a little better. And it is that, that faith perceives as reality what we cannot see with our eyes. So that when you move into the things of the Spirit, you cannot see them with your eyes, but faith will perceive what your senses cannot perceive. So your senses will will let you down because they cannot move in, in this type of an area into this realm. But faith that God has given you will be able somehow, some way, to penetrate beyond what we see here in the natural into this other area where we will somehow be able to perceive that which is there in in the spirit and will be able to appropriate that which it sees so that now there is something there that you can move out from or toward or, or whatever. Now, there's a word here in the King James. And that's the word substance. Faith is the substance. Now, there are different meanings. I wrote some of them down. Um, Meaning ground, basis, support, reality, existence. There's a bunch of different meanings. In Peter, there's this Greek word, it's, it's called, um, where it says, let everyone, let, let, let everyone be in subjection one to another. The word subjection means, or should say the Greek uh, word is hupotasso. Hupo means under, and tasso in that verse in Peter means um, in rank. This word here is hupo, what is it, hupostasis. Once again, the word hupo meaning under. And the, the, the meaning of this word as I see it, uh, and this, I found this in three, two or three different places in, in different Greek reference books, that this word substance means... foundation. So now this throws a different light on this entire scripture. Because now faith, he's talking about faith, faith becomes a foundation. So that in our life, God will begin to put something down there and lay that down underneath and, and that, that is, is the foundation there where God now can put other things on top. You cannot build a home without first putting in a foundation. Now, once the foundation 
for whatever you're putting up, a, a shed, a garage, a house, whatever. Once the foundation is in, now other things can be placed on top of that. And, and they will stay there because of the substance underneath or the foundation now that is holding that. Now, in just look at two examples of this in Luke 8. Verse 12. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. This is the parable of the sower of the seed. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So, so the word of God here was to be the foundation that is placed down so that now other things can be put upon their belief and, and all these other things. But because that foundation was not solid or laid by faith, the faith there, see, that nothing can be placed upon that. So he says that, that the seed now is not going to, to produce because, see, the foundation is not laid. In John 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So the foundation for having uh, these rivers of living water here is to believe on Jesus. So, so the Lord is always working first on the foundation of whatever he's going to do or put there. Then something else is placed on top. So that faith is the foundation of everything that you get, receive, or whatever in, in the kingdom. There has to be something else there first, and that is, that is faith. Now, it says in Romans that uh, righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And it says in another place that we are given a measure of faith. I know it says the, but if you actually research that, it's actually, it's A. That's why I said A. I'm glad you were in tune there. So that we go from faith to faith. So faith to faith. So that let's say these two lines here, in between these two lines here, signifies the faith that was given to you, you know, when you were saved. You will go from that amount of faith to another amount of faith. And there's, there's a process involved that we're going to look at later on. 
so that we are moving from faith to faith. So that the faith that you had a year ago, you should have more today than you did then. So God is always bringing certain things into play. Um, let's do this. Uh, let's just go over here. Uh, let's say, I just said this. This is the measure of faith received by us. And that can be initially or as you walk. You're walking with God, he gives you more faith. Now, the purpose, as I see it from the scriptures, one of the purposes of the measure of faith is is the will of God. Now go back to chapter 10 for a minute. Remember it says in verse 38 that the just shall live by faith. So that if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to walk with Him in His will, whatever that may be for your life. Verse 36 for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God. So you will, you will need certain things here to stay in the will of God. Because being in the will of God will bring tests to you and I. That's just the way it is. Ye have need of patience. And it says in James that the trying or the testing of your faith worketh patience. Remember it says of Abraham, he patiently endured. See, being in the will of God, you need to find out what the will of God is for your life. And when you do, you need to abide there because that is going to be the place where God will test you. He will bring certain things to bear upon you, upon your life, your walk, that will, will hopefully produce patience and other characteristics that will, will help you to continue toward the promises. So that, that the testing is an integral part of receiving the promise. Go back to that verse. Verse 36. For ye have need of patience that, that after ye have done the will of God. See, to do the will of God is going to cost each one of us. In some way, shape, or form, we will have to pay to do the will of God. However that is for you. After you have done the will of God, that you might receive the promise. So we all start off with a certain amount of faith. And the faith will direct us into the will of God. Now being in the will of God will bring about the test for our benefit to bring about patience and other characteristics. I will have to say that... I probably received 
the most from God. In the times when I was in the greatest tests of my life. And who wants the test? No, not me. Now, you may be brave enough to pray for the test, but you really don't even need to do that because they'll come because that's part and parcel of the gospel. But one of the things that's really good to know is that we don't need to focus and center in on the difficulty or the test that we're having. Just be in the will of God, walk with Him, and that will bring about a, a focus upon Jesus Christ, or you could say the promise, whatever it is that God has brought to you, the, the promise, whatever that is. And, and you can continue to move right through that thing and glean certain things through the test, and we all have them. I don't care if, if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you will have to go through certain things. But being in the will of God, enduring, will bring about something within the believer that is of great value. So don't worry about the test. Don't worry about the problem. Don't worry about affliction. You don't need to worry about persecution. All you need to be concerned about is Jesus. That your heart is focused on Him, and that you want to be like Him, and you want a purity within you that nothing can touch. And the test won't matter. You can go through them. I mean, will they affect you? Most likely. I mean, if you're human. But you don't need to, to focus on that. See beyond that. See beyond it to the promise of God. So we go from faith to faith, and this, I believe, is a process that occurs throughout our entire life. So that the faith that you sit here with right now, in you, if you walk with God, and let different things come, and deal with them as they come, and you're, you're, you're focused upon Jesus Christ, that you will move out from that with more faith than you went in. See, there, there has to be a way to bring about more faith in your life and in my life. And God has it all set out and planned for your benefit to bring more faith to you. Now, faith is not something that you think about and reason over and say, well, should I do this? You know, all these different mental gymnastics, as I call it. But it is a communication of the heart toward God in believing that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So that the heart that is set upon Jesus Christ, as, as they walk with the Lord, and however that is, works out in your life how you walk, 
that he will bring you from faith, whatever measure you have, to more faith. So it's, it's pretty good. Uh, the Amplified says, says this, springing from faith and leading to faith, of course, in, in God. Now, I want to show you some examples of this substance or this foundation in, in Hebrews 11. So, so let's, let's turn there. This substance or foundation that's, that's mentioned here, this faith, brings believers to a certain place. The work that the Lord does within a believer is quite something. See, we look at each other every week, and we see each other, we see the physical bodies, but we don't see the work that God is doing in the heart. And for the most part, that is completely hidden. God is not so much working here in the natural as he is upon you in your heart. Now, in Hebrews 11, verse 4, it gives these examples, and as I was reading them, I was trying to said, Lord, show me, you know, what, what's going on with some of this stuff here. And I started to see a few things. Faith brings about certain things in the life of, of a Christian, you and I. And he, the writer here picks certain things. Or, or I don't know if you want to say characteristics or, or whatever, the working of faith in, in a person's life. And he takes an example of something from one person, and he takes the example of something a little different from another person, but they're all related to faith. They all came about by the expanding of faith in these people. In verse 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So, so by faith, it's not that, that, that um, Abel said, okay, I'm going to now do this by faith, and this is going to be more excellent. No, it's that he was moving in faith day in and day out, and because of the faith that was growing and expanding in his heart, when he went to offer this offering, God sees that. And he says that he was able to offer a more excellent sacrifice. That, that, that's one of the things right there, first off, that is seen in the life of Abel based upon, of course, his heart, but based upon the faith that he had to God or toward God. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Now, I don't want to get bogged down here, but it's not that all of a sudden uh, now Enoch standing there and saying, okay, I have faith, Lord, translate me. 
By faith, he walked with God day in and day out. Day in and day out. Continually walking with God. Let's finish reading the verse. And was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So that because of the faith that Enoch had walking in that day after day after day, that pleased God. And now that faith that pleased God was the basis for this translation. God, so I think I'm taking you, taking you out of here now. And verse 6, I believe, as I was reading, it's almost like verse 6 is a footnote to verse 5. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. See, he just talked about Enoch pleasing God. So he's relating this verse uh, here to, to what he just talked about with Enoch. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you see that particular thing now with Enoch. That's what, what faith produced in his life. This pleasing, uh, that he was able to please the heart of God. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So in the case of Noah, it says that he was the heir of righteousness. That's what faith produced in his life. Let me ask you a question. How is the righteousness of God seen by you? It says in Romans that the righteousness of God is revealed or seen from faith to faith, so that as you are in a certain measure of faith and certain things come to you and you're saying, Lord, I'm going to walk with you in this, as you go from faith to faith, you start to see things, you start to understand certain things, and the righteousness of God, the upright, uprightness, however you want to say it, of God begins to be revealed to you. That's how it's revealed to you. If you're not going from faith to faith, the righteousness of God, certain things will be hidden to you. You won't understand them. You won't see them. Because you're not in there, so to speak. You're somewhere else. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, out, called to go out of, excuse me, was called to, to go out into a place which he should, after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he went. So, 
there is this relationship here between faith and obedience. Do you know that we are to be obedient to faith? Did you know that? That's in the scripture. And I know it's at the very end of Romans. You don't think about things like that. At least I don't. I was thinking, we're to be obedient to faith. Verse 26, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, he made known to all nations for the reason why the commandments, the reason why the gospel was for the obedience of faith. So that God will bring something to you, whatever that may be, and, and now you have to see that. Now God wants you to walk in faith in that. And you are to be obedient to that faith. In other words, to what you are seeing, what he has brought to you. So Abraham obeyed. Uh, I want you to leave and go out from the Ur the Chaldees. Okay, so now that comes to Abraham, and there it is. He sees it. Now he believes it because God spoke it. And he's obedient to that. He's obedient to faith. And he moves out from Ur of the Chaldees and goes to a country that he doesn't know where he's, where he's even going. Verse 11. And this is, this is astounding to me. But, you know, that's the way the Bible is. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past due, past age. She, she could not physically have children. But it says here that through faith, she received strength in the physical to conceive. So, so that's just a few examples of what faith can do in a Christian. Just a couple examples. Now, <clears throat> there are some key words in chapter 11, I believe, that describe the effects that faith can have. In order to point us or to bring us to deepening faith, there are certain things here that are in this chapter. As I was reading it, this is like they jumped right out. You want to have more faith? It's not going to come by prayer, although prayer would help. In verse... Six.
Okay, I'm in verse 7, that's why. Okay, but without faith is impossible, and goes on and says, the latter part of the verse says, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So there, there's something about the heart that is seeking God that helps the person to move to another place. Or another, uh, another way of saying it is it brings to you, God will bring to you the faith to move to another place in faith. So, so this is all an internal thing where, where we see something, we see the Lord, uh, we seek Him with our heart. And, and that sets us in a place where now God can bring to us an increase of faith. Uh, verse 8 we saw that obeyed. It says of Jesus that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And I said earlier that the most valuable lessons that I personally learned were when I was in the furnace of affliction or the furnace of suffering, however you want to say it, when the heat was up. And the Lord was able, through that whole situation, to show me certain things. And I was able to glean things that I would have never been able to, to have, see, or whatever, without being in the situation. So these things are not wrong or bad. They can be very good. But, but once again, we cannot focus on those alone. We need to see Jesus. We need to have our, our vision upon Him, or else we'll walk away. We won't stay in the will of God, first of all, if God doesn't touch us and if we don't have our eyes in the right place, because there'll be too many things that come, too many directions, too many things, and we'll be looking at this and that and this problem and this thing and why this isn't this way, and you know, before you know it, our eyes are off of the Lord. Verse 10, it talks about Abraham, and it says that he looked for a city which hath foundation. See, he wasn't looking for a natural city, a city in the earthly realm. See, his view was beyond that. He was looking for a city that had foundations. He's talking about something spiritual there. He wasn't looking at the different things he had to go through, he was looking in a different direction toward the Lord. In verse 13, these all died in faith, speaking of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. So internally, they didn't see certain things come to pass. Probably the one uh, was that uh, their descendants would be as the sand of the sea. That hadn't come to pass. It was a promise that hadn't come to pass yet. But they were persuaded of them. See, there was something in their heart that, that, that saw uh, that promise, that saw the Lord, and, and was moving in that direction. And it brought something to them that they were persuaded. You know, the Lord can 
He's the great persuader. He will do things in your life in a way that you will know, that you know, that you know. You'll be persuaded of something, whatever that may be, a promise or you know, a way that you're to go or something you're to do or something you're not to do. It's just like not that God, he may not speak to you. But in here, you just know and you're persuaded of it. Uh, like certain things happen at, at work, and the Lord persuaded me. <laughs> this is what you need to do. He didn't you know, audibly say anything. It's just in here, boom. It was there. I was persuaded of it, and I knew it was the Lord. And so I went about to rectify a certain situation. So, so he's the great persuader. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, they were persuaded. And they embraced and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Do you know that you are a stranger here? You know, the world is a pretty strange place. You get around people. I'm around people every day. Sit down you know, to, to eat my lunch or, or have a, a piece of fruit. And you sit there with seven or eight guys. And there's some strange things, the way they, they talk, the way they think. And it's like, you know. This is not the place of our residence. We're passing through. I'm just passing through. I came from McKee's Rocks. But hey, when the Lord got a hold of me, I said, I'm passing through. There's nothing here that is of any value when it's compared to the spiritual, you know, the spiritual quality that we can have. Now, of course, there's things here we have to, you know, use and, and what have you, you know, but there's not a whole lot for us here. I mean, what are you going to do? Go back uh, and be involved with some of the people that you were involved with years ago, you know, and do what they do? That, that's like, you know, like dung. It's, it's like a bad, it leaves a bad taste. There's just like nothing there. The world is just, what, what can the world offer you as a Christian to satisfy you? Nothing. Maybe for that long, you'll be satisfied for a split second. But, but that wasn't real satisfaction. I want to look at verse 16. But now they desire a better country. You'll see that in that verse, the word country is in italicized. It's italicized in my Bible. It should be in yours too. Showing that that's a word that the translators added. <clears throat> but now they desire a better country. You can actually say, now they desire a better. Um, one Greek book translates this, this part of the verse this way. They stretched forward to a better, that is a heavenly. 
So there was something in them that was stretching forth towards something that was out there further that was better. Do you know in, um, I don't know if it's Numbers, I think it's Numbers, where it says that the Joshua and Caleb uh, had another spirit. The word another means a following spirit, and it also means a further. So, so there was something in their heart, they were following, but there, there was something further, if you understand what I'm trying to say. They were reaching out towards something further. They, they, they may have not understood it, just like I don't understand it and you don't understand it. There's, there's something more, there, there's something further, something greater than you have at, at this point. And there is to be within us a reaching forth, a reaching out for that thing. And so I like that translation. They stretched forward to a better, something better, something more. Now, in closing, how far will faith take you? You know, faith can take us to places we never, ever, ever dreamt we'd go. Uh, I remember when I went to I went to Guatemala around four times, I think. The first time was quite an experience. But as I went back, the second, the third, and the fourth time, it was like there were times I didn't want to go, if you know what I'm saying. There's a part of me that wanted to go, but there was a part of me that didn't want to go. And, and, but I had to overcome the part of me that didn't want to go, and I went out there by faith, and faith took me to a place that I never, ever dreamt possible. I mean, I never had a desire to leave the country. I mean, why would I want to go anywhere else? No desire whatsoever to go to a third world country. But yet, faith will take you to places that you never thought you would go. Faith will place us in certain positions we never thought we would be in. Now, in chapter 11, verse 25, it talks about Moses. It says... Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, this is what the choice that Moses made, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And what it says here <coughs> that he chose to suffer affliction, that means that, that um, he, he chose to be ill-treated, you know, to, to come under persecution, because that's what happened to Moses. He could have went to the, the, the courts of Pharaoh and stayed there. But yet, because of faith, he moves in a different place. And faith takes him to a place he probably, years before that, thought he would never be. The NIV says, 
He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. So he was going to have to suffer some hardships. That was a choice he made. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt. Now, we read that and we don't understand and, you know, the reality of what he chose instead of what he had was quite something. That's why he's mentioned here in this chapter dealing with faith. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, because Pharaoh was out to get him. For he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Something took him that way. It was faith, faith in God. Motivated by faith, he left Egypt behind him, being unawed and undismayed, by the wrath of the king, for he never flinched, but held staunchly to his purpose and endured. Now I have other, I wanted to keep on going on with this, but I, let's just read some verses real quickly. To, to, to give you some examples of, of how far faith took some Christians. Verse 30. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith... The harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned the flight of arm, the armies of the aliens. Uh, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment, and they were stoned, and they were sawn asunder, and were tempted, and were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Now, this isn't a real <laughs> pleasant thing to read. But this is where faith took some Christians. Now, we're, and, and I was looking at this, and I'm thinking, you know, a lot of this was brought to these Christians based upon the society that they lived in. You know, Rome persecuted the Christians and burnt them and, and put them in the Colosseums to be eaten by the lions. And, and we in this country at this particular time, you know, we are not threatened to be sawn in half. You know, we are not threatened to be thrown in the lion's den. See, so we don't really need to worry about that stuff. Whatever comes, comes. But these Christians had to suffer some horrendous things. There's a, I can't remember their name. There were two young Christians that, that came to Christ uh, early on after the disciples. I think it was the first century, if I'm not mistaken. It was the one Priscilla. Uh, very young Christians, 
And they told him, the Roman Empire, they told him, if you do not denounce Christ, we're, we're throwing you to the lions. So that they didn't denounce Christ, and they put him in, in the Colosseum, and the lions were bearing down on them, and they gave them one more chance to recant. And they said, how can we? Because of Jesus Christ and what he did. And yet they suffered physical death because of faith in Jesus Christ. And they were, they were young. They didn't know a tenth of what you and I know. But see, that's not the point. Knowing is not the point. Faith is an internal thing. It's something that is in the heart. And faith in God can take us to places that we, we have no idea. It could take us to some place like that, or it can take us to some other place that is maybe a tremendous blessing. So faith in this chapter took these people in different places here. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And all these having obtained a good report through faith, not, uh, received not the promise. And that probably the promise they're talking about um, would, would probably be, in, in some of these instances, would be uh, the Messiah hadn't come with some of them. But there were some promises that they didn't come into. And... and We'll close with verse 40, which actually introduces the next chapter. This is an amazing verse, amazing. God having promised some better thing for us, he's talking about us now, that they without us should not be made perfect. Now I want to read that, the two verses in closing uh, from another translation. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. That is, to me, it's just... I don't, under, I don't quite understand that. But all of those that, that, that we read about here, that moved in faith... Now, they're, they're, they're waiting, and God's going to perfect them and us together in our faith. It's like this, this big thing of faith there, <laughs> this big system of faith. And God's bringing it all together, and he's going to bring um, a perfection or a completeness to all through his work. Well, we're going to stop there, and we'll, we'll continue um, probably chapter 12 next week. Thank you. Rivers of men.